0: my internet works that's great i was was, it was giving me so many warnings i was worried it was going to die uh we've just had a very long conversation about internet speeds um hello everybody and welcome to season two episode 16 of history's greatest idiots the show in which we take you back for a journey through time and take you to examples of utter stupidity and idiocy from history's greatest idiots and give you lessons so that people, uh, you can learn from those mistakes and and never repeat the, the mistakes those people performed and made. Hopefully. Uh, but who are we kidding? We're humans. We, we, we like making mistakes. My intro changes every week. It's an example of them. Um, joining me as ever is my amazing co-host, Derek. Derek, how are you doing, my man? I am doing fantastic. That's uh, right. Yeah. You have a new setup over there, haven't you? We've just been talking about this.
1: Yeah, I got uh, new floating monitors and stand up desk, and
0: like I can raise it up and down. It's cool stuff. <laughs> it's the shit of the future, ladies and gentlemen. I swear to God. Like, I'm sitting here with two hand me down monitors and the cheapest 1080p. <laughs> <laughs> um, webcam i could find i i, I splurged big on the road microphone but that's because i'm a bit of an an audio geek and and this really appealed to me but um yeah i i saw uh, derek sent me a picture of his setup in the week and i was like oh i want that i i feel like it's
1: like minimalist but yes maximized minimalism for sure
0: like it's very <laughs> that's a thing i don't know no no i get what you mean like you are making the most with like the space that you've kind of created for yourself so you have a very efficient setup i would say you can like you said you can raise and lower the desk you've got everything like within reaching distance the oh, only yeah. thing it's missing is cup holders essentially i know that's right what the desk is for. It's, it's got a headphone holder though it's got a hook for very them. useful so that that's, that that's so useful hand. like i have so much shit on my desk that I barely have space to put my headphones on, right? It's just, it's it's always the thing that gets hung on the corner of the screen, yeah. Also, which I shouldn't st- do.
1: Snagged as you walk by,
0: yeah. Like whenever I have to make a mad dash to my bathroom, it's uh, it's always the first thing to go <laughs> flying. Uh, coronary disease joke. Anyway, um, it's been a week. Um, we were uh, we were actually going to record this last weekend, but the UK was going on through it. Nineteenth heat wave of the year. <laughs> yeah. You guys getting it this it. year, man. Yeah, it's I mean, we, it, ironically we've just covered uh, the, the father of climate change denial and um boy, there's no denying it anymore. Anyone out there who's still saying it's not a thing, you're fucking blind and you yeah. have and like Prince Andrew you have no ability to sweat apparently because boy has it been hot around here. <laughs> I like it's funny because last Weekend wasn't as hot as it was like a few few weeks ago and I told you like it was 110 degrees here in this country or some stupid shit like that. That's the hottest without air conditioning. And no, yeah, nobody in this country, unless you're working in an office, has air conditioning. And I I struggled then, but there was something about last weekend. I think it was because by the time we were supposed to record the podcast, it was like the fifth day in a row of that, of like 35 degree weather. And at that point, I was just like, I'd given up basically wearing clothes like <laughs> doing anything other than dipping my myself in cold water every day. Like literally Ugh. just like trying to conserve water, but also having the coldest shower a human humanly possible. It was yeah. um it was hell. So um we had the loft open, like it's just every trick in the book. I even tried to make home air conditioning. Yeah, Ice
1: in like a, a bucket and a fan.
0: Yeah. Doesn't yeah. fucking work. Not uh much. No, I i tried that. I, I tried it. I splurged. I did I was like, maybe if we raise the ice up close to the fan so that when the air passes through it, it is air conditioned. And then I was like, well, that's not working so well. Maybe a stronger fan, maybe more ice at the bottom as well, so that it cools it even more. Like, no. Even in my yeah. tiny third bedroom/slash office, which is only 13 foot long, about seven foot wide, it made no difference. I found one
1: surefire way to get your homemade air conditioner to work. And that, that is to, you get all of the ice and you pack it in there real good. And then you climb your ass into the ice. because that <laughs> It's the only way it's going to work.
0: Yeah. Ice bath <laughs> is yep. the solution. Um, yep. You can turn your oven to cold. Um, sorry. The Simpsons joke. Um, <laughs> but I was yeah, like, shit, uh, they do that. <laughs> yeah. That's what they, they, Bart and Homer are camped out in front of the, um, The fridge with the door open, and Marge and Lisa climb in. They're like, You shouldn't be doing this, but it's really comfortable in here. And then the (laughs) fridge dies. And he just turns to Marge and says, Marge, can you turn the oven to cold? Um, (laughs) That's fucking brilliant. Um, So, yeah, anyway, we didn't want to record then. So, we're recording now. And we have, I have a really interesting, it's going to be the first ever team on History's Greatest Idiots, the first ever conglomeration of idiots. Um, Okay. Okay. And you will see why. There are 13, at least 13 people involved in this team. Um, and 11 of them are complicit in the stupidity. Oh. So we will get to that in a bit. And I promise it's it's sad, hilarious, annoying, frustrating, all in one go. So yeah. before we do, Derek, can you tell us who your idiot is or about your idiot this week, please? Well, um, I
1: don't have a team. Great. I mean, I guess it was a team effort. This sure. guy is the leader of a team, a, a super powerful team, and he did just a shitty job at being a leader, in my okay. opinion. That's that's just my opinion, though. So, <laughs> um, you know, when you take, like, a leadership role, it has a ton of responsibility, and okay. y- ultimately, everything that everybody does underneath you is your fault. Mm. So... As the leader of a high-level organization, uh, you need to be able to quickly and effectively figure out what is vital and important right now mm. to to go forward and do a good job. For sure. And this guy did not do that. He <laughs> falls into a category of not good at that job. And when it comes right down to it, he was either ignorant, arrogant, or um, what's what's the other one? There's another nt that he was
0: ignorant, arrogant. Um, incompetent pestilent no incompetent <laughs> perfect uh, <laughs> i was going through horsemen of the apocalypse but, Yeah, <laughs> you were
1: You were right don't do that that's scary these days yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> anyway the guy i have is uh his name is george tenet if that name sounds oh. familiar to you it's because he was a pretty big name in american intelligence oh. back in the uh 2000s ish
0: yeah i i vaguely
1: remember that name but you have to fill me in we'll get into it his name's george tenet he's born january 5th 1953 in flushing new york and he's a twin his fraternal twin bill um was also born on on that day but he was he was second so he's the older brother right okay both of george's parents were greek immigrants and his father was a coal miner in france before he came to the u.s just before the great depression Oh, His wow. mother has a cool ass story about how she got here. She stowed away on a British submarine.
0: <laughs> As you do. Yeah. Uh, we, we didn't have many of those. So good for her for finding some space She's in there yeah. that wasn't taken up with weapons or, or Nazi code that they were trying to get back. So I didn't know that there was
1: space or a whole lot of British uh, submarines honestly. And I didn't know they were in, in Greece. But she took off from Iparis, Greece and they ended up in where everybody ends up, New York, of course. Cool. So he's raised in Little Neck, Queens, New York, and he led a pretty standard American life. Him and his brother as a teenager worked as busboys at the family diner, and um, maybe it would have been better if his brother had been the one that followed his path, but he, he didn't because... Bill was the more reserved, precise, and studious of the twins, okay. and George was An loud, sloppy, boisterous. Right, talked constantly. Sure. a mouthpiece is what he was described as.
0: Isn't that interesting? You've got that kind of uh, variation between twins who are basically identical.
1: And well, I mean, fraternal <coughs> is mm. the not identical, but oh, does sorry, that yeah. does that mean that you get to split uh, personality traits?
0: I don't no, know I how twinning so. works. I don't I don't either. <laughs> All I know is they're terrifying sometimes. So, and they sell yeah. gum. They do. They do. And That's... ride similarly sized tiny bikes. That's a Shriner's <laughs> joke. <laughs> <laughs> I know I I told a Simpsons joke, I'm telling a Shriner's joke. This is sorry. I'm going back in time now.
1: You're on one me. today and at least your <laughs> references make sense cuz mine are like just obscure and nonsense. It's great. <laughs> anyway so a friend of george's family would describe him as the type of guy who couldn't keep a secret
0: like i said he was the
1: mouthpiece and that's (laughs) it's kind of strange for somebody who would later go on to become the director of the cia
0: yeah probably not a great job for someone who couldn't keep their fucking mouth shut
1: yeah i you know maybe that's just the way he was as a teenager and he got better maybe
0: yeah maybe quantico flogged that out of him Let's see. No.
1: George attended public school, and he had a keen interest in local and current affairs, and he served as the editor for his school newspaper. Mm-hmm. And one of the local journalists in his area and the host of a local current affairs reporting responded back to uh, uh, what are those editorial opinion letters that George uh, had been sending in and said, George is the future editorial page editor of the New York Times.
0: So he had potential as a journalist. That's interesting. And actually, but, probably a good personality for journalism because you do need a certain arrogance sh- and sharing of secrets. Yeah, yeah, like, you, you need to be good at convincing people. That's one of the tenants, tenants of the job. <laughs> um, <laughs> see what you did. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, he
1: didn't go on to be a journalist though He went on right. to study at the University of New York Cortland where he graduated Oh, um, oh no He then transferred to Georgetown University oh. And went to the School of Foreign Service In 1976 yeah. And graduated with a Bachelor's of Science In Foreign Service So
0: That's interesting Yeah, that,
1: he's, that's... I think he made the shift right
0: there Yeah I think may... <laughs> Could he have been recruited? Maybe
1: Maybe he no. did go on to receive a Master of International Affairs at Columbia, just a couple. Mm.
0: Excuse me, a couple of
1: years later, and his mm-hmm. first gig after graduation was as the director of the American Hellenic Institute. Goodness, oh wow! I'm choking on my own saliva. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um,
0: so yeah, so so he's his first job out of university. I mean, obviously, yes, he has you know, a master's degree and, and all of that stuff. His first job is as a director. And also the Hellenic thing is interesting because you've obviously got the Greek connection there. Uh, so, yeah, that's really interesting. Straight out of college. And he's he's a director. I mean, most a, people a research director. Or the service industry or something like that. But, yeah, he's starting high. Yes. And
1: then he moves on to solar energy industries, which would have been awesome if he would have just stuck with that and pushed it Straight along up. further. But he served there as the director of international programs. And he continued that work all the way until 1982 when he started working as an assistant to the Senate. Uh, he was a legislative assistant to the Senate and a uh, senator, and later a legislative director. And he began his per- political career right there, um, working as an aide to the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Ooh, God, that was a lot okay. of
0: words. <laughs> that, that was a lot, yeah. Well done.
1: So from there, his career kind of took off. And in 1995, he was appointed the deputy director of the Central Intelligence Agency after John Deutsch uh, had a hasty and abrupt exit. And now I got to say, my last name is Deutsch and he spells his last name wrong. So ah,
0: there you go. You
1: see <laughs> in the horse's mouth, ladies and gentlemen, um, as the acting director. Oops. Um we missed a bit. It, no, I it's I'm using Word again and I scroll My, too Word fast. Word is so fucked. I suck at this game. I should Get know better. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so George is the director of the CIA and it becomes official in 1997 um after a unanimous confirmation vote by the Senate, probably cuz he worked for them on the Senate Select Committee for Intelligence it seems like the next logical step he serves um he he normally would be replaced when the administration changed but he continued on to serve as the director of the cia through the end of the clinton administration and into
0: the george w bush presidency oh wow not a great time to be in the intelligence game when george w bush is coming in (laughs) that's that's (laughs) how he got here (laughs) yeah that's uh that's a fucking conversation right there
1: in 1999, George decided to depart from the norms and decline to publish the overall budget for intelligence operations, which included the CIA. And that that got him some of his first criticism for lacking government transparency and oversight mm-hmm. and information sharing. But he had this plan and desire to reinvigorate the CIA as like, you know, Despise this the James Bond type stuff. I know that's British. right.
0: Okay, make it more glamorous. That, yeah, that's actually, that's a very smart move. You want to re- recruit people to a clandestine agency like that? Make it sexy. It's it's it speaks to the people that you want to be spies, and it's it's what they needed to do because
1: recruitment and the budget was down because the Cold War had ended, cool. just what ten years earlier here. Hmm. No. Um. So the recruiting had declined and he just dis- he stated his mission was to return to the original mission of the agency, which is to prevent another Pearl Harbor. Oh, that did not happen.
0: <laughs> he almost
1: had it. Um, <laughs> just a few short years later, this thing happened.
0: Yeah, um, that was probably worse than Pearl Harbor because it was mainland United States. Right. And not using any armed forces. Just. Yeah. Fuck. You failed, it was my dude, it's pretty much his fault.
1: So anyway, George believes that the greatest danger is from the transformation of Russia and China and mm. from rogue states like North Korea and Iraq and Iran and I you mean, know to a
0: certain extent he's right, but he's probably 20 years too early for that.
1: Yeah, uh, he's there there there's been a pattern in that area for a lot longer than I ever mm. realized. Oh yeah. But his big one he wanted to focus on was the enemy state and um them of terrorism because of course cool. why not that that'll get yeah. you your budget budget going you got a big scary ambiguous yeah. enemy that looks like
0: us yeah. and you can't see who's where yes so- you want to you want to make money you want to get some of that government grant money go to war with a vow oh. nothing fair nothing ever works better than fighting poverty drugs uh let's see what else with terrorism just pretty much any vowel you can think of um has or um sorry vowel verb i, I may have been confused verb i think verb. It, no i don't know I, I don't know anyway yeah i shit I've, I've completely screwed that up anyway go to war with something you can't defeat i.e mm-hmm. drugs or terrorism or poverty and you'll get so much money oh yeah
1: that's so where much. the money's at, man. Yeah. Fight a war against something that you
0: can't win and can't see. Something that is truly undefinable. Um, And yeah, you'll you'll get all of the monies. swear to God. Yep.
1: So, okay, George takes over. He's the director. He's hiding the budget. He's got the recruiting going good. He's got the new mission of preventing a new Pearl Harbor. And on May 7th, 1999, U.S. bombers struck the Chinese embassy in Serbia during the Kosovo War. Oh yeah, now the attack was deemed accidental mm. uh, but this is George's first screw up because it was a result of a CIA led attack campaign that's right and it it was determined that it was an error doing mm. due to military targeting and database mm. management by the Pentagon, so mm-hmm. it wasn't his screw- up, but it was kind of his screw up,
0: yeah, but
1: Uh, Yeah, so the weapons didn't perform as they were supposed to. The database wasn't correct from the Pentagon and they missed and blew up the
0: Chinese embassy, which in Serbia. Oops. Yeah, was was not. I mean, unfortunately, because friendly fire incidents have been so high profile over the last, I mean, really 50, 60, 70 years, ever since the Second World War, when friendly fire was quite a serious issue at times. Um, I think that, um, you know, there is a level of acceptance of, yeah, there, there is going to be incompetence in, in this situation, but, um, yeah, th- there's no doubt that that will Howard relations a little bit when you attack an embassy, that's well,
1: bad. when you make mistakes, rules get made. And as a result of that, and a couple of other incidents that happened in there, there were some systematic changes made to the pre-strike rules of engagement for us pilots including Correct. checklist verifying target information and coordinates right small why the f- why was that not part of the make sure you're hitting the <laughs> shit you're supposed to hit why was that not in the rules beforehand
0: but anyway uh, uh, yeah uh, no no I, sorry i just want uh, th- this moment you say why wasn't that a rule before that's common sense right ah. i want you to remember this for my Thing later on i want you to remember this exact moment where you're like this should be the basic go-to system <laughs> for, for checking that but we'll talk more about that later but yeah you would think that you would check your coordinates before you throw a fucking giant bomb at something right
1: yeah you would think yeah but anyway china never accepted that the united states uh, or their version of events mm. and tenant in a published work that would be a a, a in his memoirs was a prelude to the the bombing in iraq china had officials contact his agency directly with the exact gps coordinates of their embassy in baghdad just in case that's serious yeah
0: that's (laughs) pretty bad we don't trust
1: you you're gonna do it again here's where we really are anyway (laughs) About the same time, Al Qaeda started showing up as a significant mm. terrorist threat, and they claimed responsibility for the 1998 bombings of two U.S. embassies in Africa, and that led George to put forward his plan for dealing with Al Qaeda mm-hmm. in 1999, and he selected a new leadership for the CIA's counterterrorism center, uh, the Bin Laden unit. Ah, there we go.
0: Uh, George Not Bin Laden's. He did. He did. Uh, work for not those Bin Ladins, the other Bin Ladins, the ones that he didn't like.
1: Yeah, not the the ones the, that they were friends with and didn't want to disrupt the friendship. Yeah, aren't the not, same Bin Ladins.
0: Well, they're the same Bin La- never they're mind. the same Bin Ladins, but they're not <laughs> the same. Bin they're the Bin La- the the bin, the Bin Ladins he likes are the ones that pay him to drill holes in the middle of the desert and find nothing. That's the Bin Ladins that George Bush likes. The ones he doesn't like are the ones that show up that he actually has very close ties to those Bin Ladins, and that's not good.
1: Well, and that was actually one of the things here with George Tenet and George Bush. Uh, they were super freaked out about so- the Saudi connections being mm-hmm. uh, brought out after the nine eleven thing, but I'll get into that. Yeah. So. Tenet decides him and the CIA are going to take all of their financial resources and focus on this bin Laden plan. And they had some modest aspirations that were actually realized. They started to collect really good infor- information and intel on bin Laden and some of his movements and plans. But when his activity increased real significantly after 99, they f- they really failed to get into his inner circle. Mm hmm and yeah. they failed to share the intelligence that they had with yes. people that were really wanting to do something about it.
0: Yeah, the cross-agency thing was a big problem before, you know, changes were made.
1: They were on to him, and it, and it was kind of more of, uh, this is where I say arrogance comes into it. His Him and his people wanted to handle things a certain way, yeah. and the FBI and their people wanted to handle things a certain way, and so they were like, well, then I'm not telling you. <laughs> and That's so stupid then after the September eleventh attacks, mm. um, they really started criticizing George Tennant and his intelligence community for the yeah. intelligence failures um preventing the attacks, which they they really should have mm. and I'll be honest with you, I got a lot of this information about those failures from this uh, great drama series that was on the Hulu, I think.
0: The Looming okay. Tower? Yeah, I've heard of that. I
1: haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Is it good? It's a great limited series, and it really nice. makes you go,
0: damn. Yeah, they had it. They knew. <laughs> Why do old white men suck so bad? <laughs> yes. Why are we so bad at everything? Uh, what is yeah. wrong with us? Uh, but yeah, It's a great, great show. Um, mm. I also, oh, obviously, um, I, <laughs> I remember Michael Moore's Fahrenheit nine eleven. When it came out, yeah. Um, yeah. which was huge and very controversial, because he got booed at the Oscars for turning it political. It's like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding? Um, but yeah, he he produced a fantastic documentary called Fahrenheit 911, which I would recommend you watch. It makes some really interesting points about how Bush was elected, um, and then how he kind of didn't really care or was really uninterested in the intelligence that people were planning an attack on american soil yeah
1: well him and his secretary of defense Mm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's fine
0: um
1: so yeah anyway after the september 11th attacks and all of that intelligence sharing failures came out george was called before the 9-11 commission to provide testimony Which he did so in what most people would say an inaccurate, misleading, or incorrect way in all all kinds of aspects. Um, he just basically was like, "Well, we didn't do it. I didn't know. (laughs) We we got the cable, but you know, it was information only. So obviously, we didn't need the information. Nobody read Mm it. Yep, that's and that's how they missed it. Fucking. His decision right after that was to immediately increase the size and capability of the CIA's special operations component and started working with the special operations group and special activities division. Um, that actually had scaled back during the Clinton administration. Yeah. yeah. But following the attack, there's this new push for paramilitary officers and war on terrorism. Keep us safe. We got a war that kicks off immediately afterwards in Afghanistan. Yeah and one for some fucking reason in iraq
0: three or four years later yeah um and we were right behind you like oh really oh increasing military budgets fuck yes we'll have some of that please exactly and
1: it was this dude's intelligence that led us into iraq uh chasing weapons of mass destruction that didn't exist
0: allegedly don't exist. Wait, uh, yeah, no, they proved it. That's right. So so there's um an interesting sideline. I've got a couple of interesting sidelines here actually, but I'll go okay. I'll go over the obvious one. Uh my best friend his friend his childhood friend um was in the military. He kind of ended his career guarding uh nuclear sites. Yeah, they have okay. to have like army people on board in case someone tries to blow them up and shit like that. Or if protesters show up, they're like, hey, we've got guns! Oh my god. Um, <laughs> so, um His first task was on uh, a ship, uh, sat outside um, you know, whatever part of whatever coastline or sea, Iraq, occupies. I can't remember the name of it. It's got a specific name. Anyway, sat on a ship um, <coughs> kind of uh, running uh, into Iraqi ships that were fleeing because they were they were getting annihilated, and um, basically he was there to pull them over and search for weapons of mass destruction. And um, they always right. did the, they did the, the the Abu Ghraib shit where they take prisoners with people pictures with people while they were handcuffed and sat on the deck and what have you. And it was like we pulled over hundreds of these vessels, and they all had AKs and rocket launchers. And shit like that, but I was like, that's not really a weapon of mass destruction. He was like, no, we kind of we we usually got those anyway. Like right, that's just smugglers, more or right. less. Um, whereas this time it's just smugglers who are working for the failing Iraqi government. But he was like, not once did we find anything more, you know, intense than a rocket launcher, really. Uh, and, yeah, and this is someone who was there for months.
1: So, I, as far as I know, they didn't find hardly anything for <laughs> anything. Actually, I mean, they found so, chemical
0: weapons, but they knew we he have chemical weapons because he well, used yeah. them on his own people.
1: Well, so. and he wasn't hiding those. He said they're no. here. They knew where those were, those were yeah. accounted for, and like exactly There's anyway, no shock yeah so under George's directorship, the Global War on terror um, comes to it comes to light that the CIA is authorizing enhanced interrogation. Um, They started using waterboarding and other forms of torture uh, during the negotiation of Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and uh, a number of other suspected Al-Qaeda members. And in addition to George Tenet's authorization of the enhanced techniques, um, which came out in a a report from investigative journalist Bob Woodward, in case anybody still doesn't believe that they were torturing people. Yeah. yeah. So he said that the enhanced interrogation led to the information that got him the location and surefire evidence that weapons of mass destruction existed in Iraq. Um, And then he used that information in a meeting in December 12th with Bush that there was indeed evidence of weapons of mass de- destruction that amounted to a slam dunk case. God. And after several months of refusing to confirm his statement on uh, under oath, he stated that it was taken out of context and indicated that he made it in pursuant to a discussion about uh, how to convince the American people to support invading Iraq, which Ugh. is still not any fucking better. No,
0: it's actually worse.
1: And yeah, the search following the 2003 invasion by uh, U.S. and British forces yielded no significant weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. And September 2002, the Senate Intelligence Committee met with Tenet in a closed door session, where he reg- where Senator Bob Graham requested national intelligence estimate on Iraq, and Tenet responded by saying we're never we've never done a national intelligence estimate on Iraq, which is something that you should do before you
0: yeah it's kind of your fucking job
1: yeah um graham insisted that it was one of the most important decisions that they could make as members of congress and that the american people are likely to make in the foreseeable future that's the decision to go in and we did so with false evidence wow so yeah that's george tenet enhanced interrogations um false evidence for weapons of mass destruction And I lost my place. (laughs) Oh, he submitted his resignation to President Bush on June 3rd, 2004, citing personal reasons.
0: Mm, Big Uh, shit, his job is pretty personal.
1: On December 14th, 2004, President George W. Bush awarded George Tenet the Presidential Medal of Freedom, stating that Tenet was one of the first to recognize and address the growing threat to America from radical terrorist networks except for missing that big attack.
0: Yeah. Except for that part, you know, his fucking job.
1: So it says that Bush's decision was met with some criticism, but I can confirm that they were like, okay. Yeah. Medal of freedom for. Yep. Anyway, so George spent three years as a distinguished professor following his career as the director of the CIA. Um, (laughs) He was a professor in the practice of diplomacy and oh, also, no. <laughs> also a <laughs> senior <professor> researcher. <laughs> um, in, let's see, 2005, he, 2000, excuse me, yeah. He left teaching in two thousand five and by October of two thousand six he's back in the defense business working in private for a British defense contractor. Um I think it's K- Kinteek. Kin Q I N E T
0: I Q. Yeah, that's that's I'm not familiar with them. Let's go with Quintech. I, I guess it <clears throat> sorry, did you say Q I? Yes. In tech okay yeah i thought it might have been like some sort of play on Quixotic, but it's not it's just a stupid fucking name sorry please carry on so he's working for the private
1: private defense contractor he steps down from the board of them in 2007 oh, and nice long. in august 2007 uh, a report's written by a cia inspector general it's made public uh, it was actually written in 2005, but kept ca- classified until August 2007. And in the 19-page summary, it states that Tenet knew of the dangers of Al-Qaeda well before the 2011, or excuse me, the 2001 attack. And it was his leadership of the CIA that did not do enough to prevent the attacks. Mm-hmm. And that Tenet personally bears ultimate responsibility for the intelligence community's failure to develop a plan to counter- the al-qaeda and their leadership god damn and then following that in a strange turn of events george becomes the managing director at an investment bank allen and (laughs) company in february of 2008 that's a shift fuck if i know why he's intelligence 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 you know what you want to be a managing director of a bank
0: yeah Sure. Whatever. Seems legit. That doesn't yeah.
1: seem like a, a front at all. Um <laughs> the secretive bank did not even announce that he was appointed to that position Ooh. until February of the following year. What? so
0: they clearly don't have shareholders because there'd be uproar if they did. Jesus. Yeah. Well, he also serves on the board uh for L
1: one Identity Solutions, which is a biometric identification software manufacturer. Kind of scary yep uh and that's that's where he's at so far he's still just uh making money and doing things
0: wow. apparently banking now it's but... it's kind of crazy how people can just fail at a high level and continue to get very good paying gigs thereafter
1: well and and not even that i feel like he could be described as a as an unprosecuted war criminal but i mean yeah maybe
0: <laughs> basically and also like i hate we always go back to this this fucker does not learn from history you cannot torture people to get information out of them it doesn't work they well, you, lie you, you, and yeah. say whatever the hell they can to get you to stop strapping things to them and pulling things off them and dropping water over them which is then you said waterboarding my, my first thought because Will Ferrell used to do George Bush all the time on SNL yeah. and various other stuff. Uh, he did a a Broadway show uh, called You're Welcome, America. Um, uh, kind of a fond farewell to George W. Bush's presidency. Yeah. And it's a one-man show. I mean, there's a couple of moments where like, someone playing Condoleezza Rice comes on stage and does a seductive dance for him. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, Will Ferrell's actual real-life brother kind of um, in between, so they obviously need to get him off so they can change the sets and change costumes and stuff like that. So, like, Will Ferrell's brother is playing like a, a secret service agent who just comes on and randomly starts dancing to techno music. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's the weirdest thing. Um, and there's a part where there's a plant in the audience, um, who starts throwing his shoe, at Will Ferrell as George Bush because that's what oh. happened to, oh, George yeah, Bush that's right. in real life. And, uh, uh, the the brother who's playing the secret service agent drags this guy out of the crowd and he goes, get him out back and waterboard him. And the whole crowd goes, oh, and he goes, don't give me that. I've seen it. I've tried it. It's like a spa treatment. And uh, I heard that and I was like, holy shit, that's really dark. Um, you can get a there's footage of it. I was going to say you can get a DVD of it. Who watches DVDs anymore?
1: Dude, I can't um, even find my
0: DVD player. I know I, I have I one somewhere. One. Yeah, um but th- uh, it's it's really funny. Um uh, it's just an aside. Uh, George Tenet, I swear he made a withering apology speech or maybe I'm thinking of someone else from the intelligence community in front of like, like a committee of people. Oh yeah, was, yeah, the, the, point the 9/11 commu- committee.
1: And it was weak. Yeah. It was weak sauce.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, I wanted to apologize to the American people, blah blah blah. And it was like, it's like you're still making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Why haven't you retired from public life? You yeah. are clearly no good at things. I mean, um, he's good at kicking it in his office and not listening to people. I have no idea how that man... It's it's the Piers Morgan syndrome, where you fail upwards no matter how bad you do. People keep giving you work. Um, and yeah, I just... You don't understand it. Um, this man was... A known failure. He must have been incredibly good at brown nosing, or he must have been very good in interviews. Because how did he get to that position and maintain it after all those failures? Maybe he was really good
1: at intelligence. You get a good dossier on um, somebody, you can get a long way. I would say,
0: yeah, maybe it was a Hoover technique. You know, just get as much dirt on everyone. It looked um, like an Al Qaeda leader over here. This is a lot of facial hair going on. But it's <laughs> fine. It's nicely shaped. Uh, but yeah, I just scoring this guy is going to be really interesting because we always uh, one of the weight waiting elements we put into our scoring is like well they, they didn't kill anyone but this guy kind of <laughs> indirectly is responsible for so 911 so that's like it's like 3500 people something like that mm-hmm. yep uh, and then you got the war in iraq which is like 250,000 300,000 people yeah iraqi yep. civilians and servicemen and, and Combatants and vigilantes, and whatever else you've got going on in there. Um, and then you got Afghanistan, which I mean, was a shit show. You know, yeah, and has now proven to be a complete failure. What was it? Yeah. There's a meme going around that says, Was it you who posted the meme that said, you know, the America, America has spent trillions of dollars to replace the Taliban with the Taliban? Ah, um, maybe. That sounds like something you know, that I <laughs> might be. I know I shared it. I don't know if I got it from you or someone else, but. Um yeah, I um it's it's so hard to not score this guy high because A for the basic idiot stuff, he's crap at his job and yeah. somehow hangs on to it. We don't know how he's hanging on to it. Maybe it's dirt, like you said, maybe he's just in with the right people, which nepotism and the body system, that's that's a big failing in in pretty much yeah. any governmental structure. Um but also he is indirectly responsible. I wouldn't say he was directly responsible, maybe indirectly through incompetence. And an inability to understand the fundamentals of his own job for the deaths of near exactly. enough half a million people. Yeah, take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um I think 93 for George Tenet. Ooh. Yeah, okay. it's it's such a staggering failure from a historic point of view. And also we we we've talked about this before a lot of the stuff that is going on in this world in terms of people's behaviors people's frame of mind people's baseline stress levels their anger their all a lot of this is because we are still living in a post 9/11 world and the consequences of that moment in time have reverberated throughout popular culture and um, the kind of the governmental forces that have gone on in the western world ever since yeah and I think that's enough can, you can attribute enough of that to this guy to say that he is one of the modern architects of our misery.
1: Oh uh, yeah
0: yeah dude so <laughs> if, he, if this guy had been doing his job 911 wouldn't have happened and I it's feel facts. like a lot of it
1: was 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 just arrogance he had people yeah. giving him the answers on a cheat sheet here's what here's what's up we yeah. need to do this or this and his inability to act on it. Yeah, um, and yeah. he's ah talk to me and talk to me next week. Jesus, I gotta go have bourbon with this guy here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> go hang out with Bush. Yeah, no, no, the one down in Florida, not the idiot in the White House. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think 93 is a fair one um, because of the disastrous consequences that puts him in a category up there with New Jack, uh, who is an actual psychopath and uh people like the planet killers like uh thomas midgley and yes. um e bruce harrison you know these these are very serious people from history and i think Georgetown is definitely up there because he has shaped the modern world through his own incompetence and caused the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people no yeah. no no denying that so yep
1: yeah, um, well, I take that. I think that's a good score for him. And yeah,
0: I I, I feel fair. We we may revisit scores from time to time, but I think ninety three is fair given his failings in in the position. So, moving on to a slightly lighter topic. Um, All right. <laughs> I would now like to tell you about my idiots, and it's going to be a relatively short one this week. We may have a, we may actually have an episode that's less than an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, podcast listeners, I, I don't know whether you'll be overjoyed about that, or, or upset that you don't get the thing that maybe helps you fall asleep at night, but um, seriously, just I... Just listen to uh, it twice, you'll be right. Yeah, you'll be fine, just put it on repeat. We haven't got any adverts <laughs> at the moment. No one wants to give us any money. Uh, so, uh, patreon.com slash history's greatest idiots. So, my... Team of idiots this week, and it, it is a shocking story that I, I have no idea what they were thinking. But let me introduce you to the Spanish men's Paralympic basketball team from the 2000 Sydney Paralympic Games. Okay, yeah, what did a... oh,
1: I'm interested? I got to see. Yeah, it.
0: this is taken from a number of articles. I can't credit anyone because it's taken from about five different articles, like a paragraph here and there, but. Um, it's very easily Goog- Googleable, if that's a word. Google-able. i I recommend you do it. There's there's a couple of videos about it as well. So okay. go and watch it. It is. The, I'll tell you about it now. Okay. Carlos Ribagorda doesn't appear to be a man who suffers from learning difficulties. A journalist for a Spanish business magazine, he's just published a book on young right wing politicians in the country. Four years earlier, however. He won a Paralympic gold medal in Sydney as a member of Spain's learning disabled basketball team. A few weeks okay. later, R- Ribagorda sent his medal back to the Paralympic headquarters in Bonn, Switzerland. He also returned his Spanish team kit and the 150 pounds spending money he'd been given. <laughs> when was this? <laughs> this is 2000. That's still not 150 much. bucks. 150 bucks. Jeez, there! Fuck that! You're an <laughs> elite athlete. Here's $150. Go mad! <laughs> get yourself all the candy bars in the world. Oh,
1: Holy shit! Yeah. Well, For exp-
0: <laughs> I just don't get it. For four, he explained, he was just one of ten members of the 12-man squad who had absolutely nothing wrong with them. Yes, that's right. Spain's Paralympic basketball team for the 2000 Sydney Olympics: of the 12 members of the team, ten of them had absolutely no disability whatsoever and were actually really good basketball players.
1: Yeah, their only fault was being Spanish, which isn't really anything.
0: <laughs> no, that's not a that's not a disability. <laughs> that it, uh, although apparently in, in this Olympics it means that you're more likely to cheat because holy shit. Um, he had simply been signed up to boost uh, his country's chances of winning a medal. His revelations shocked the Paralympics, held every four years by the city that hosts the full Olympics, shredding its image as the benevolent moment of the international sporting calendar, which it kind of is these days, but man, there's been a lot of doping scandals in the Paralympics and the Special Olympics. Has there been? Oh, shit, yeah. I'll tell you about them now. Um, (laughs) The shockwaves are still being felt. Uh, years afterwards, uh, because athletes with learning difficulties were banned from competing in the Athens Paralympics, the following Paralympic event, because they just couldn't trust anyone to bring on to do the testing properly. What? And we'll get to that now. In the Paralympics, just as in the Olympics, people cheat. It was not just the Spanish basketball team that was stuffed with frauds in Sydney, according to Ribagorda, two swimmers on the spanish team as well as a table tennis player and at least one track and field athlete were not as they claimed learning disabled he says the spanish really want those fucking medals man what are they counting <laughs> as learning disabled though um so uh, i will get to this there, okay. there are very strict criteria and I, I will state. tell you about it Yeah, adhd uh, kid on ritalin on a well, track team i know exactly uh, <laughs> but no there's very there's very very strict criteria Um, complaints inevitably began to spread. Um, There were two or three players from both Spain and Russia, the Russians cheated in the Olympics, I'm shocked, um, who could have competed in our National Basketball League, complained one Australian coach. Uh, What they did uh, uh, with and without the ball was way above what any of our athletes could have achieved. Ribagorda, who helped beat the Russians in the final, agreed. There were three players in that Russian team, especially one of them, who were just too good. It's Putin in a wig. <laughs> 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 That's all it is. Like, send some of the army guys in. Just just cut the hair more. Uh, <laughs> Robert says he uh, was invited to train in Madrid with the basketball team five months before the Sydney Games and saw an opportunity for a journalistic scoop. Smart man. This made his career. There were five months of training with not a single disabled person in sight. The two genuinely disabled players came from outside of Madrid and were told to train separate from the rest of the team because they couldn't afford to bus them in.
1: Oh, that's messed up.
0: Yeah, that's like we can't... And and in many ways, I guess that that saved them because they were completely unaware of what was going on because they weren't allowed anywhere near the, you know, clearly not disabled athletes. Um Some of his new teammates had already been uh, to a world championship in, in Brazil. Ribagorda himself went to Portugal with the team, uh, but the big prize was Sydney. I think people saw it as a free trip to Australia. <laughs> oh, and 150 bucks and 100. Don't make it get all the dingy, dig, dingy, diggery, diggery doos, diggery doos that you want. There we go. Eat all the kangaroo meat you want. Really? Um, there was even some pride in wearing the Spanish team strip I mean you know it's just cloudy judgment enough by wearing the flag really that's there's a lot what? of people who were just like I just want to go to Australia you know
1: okay they great. just okay I mean
0: <laughs> in their first match the team played too well and uh, were more than Dialed 30 bad, points guys. ahead at half time uh, <laughs> And they were ordered by their coach to slow down their scoring and let the other team shoot more. It didn't work. They they thrashed this position team. But their biggest mistake was, yeah, it's so messed up, and we will get to that as well. Their biggest mistake was to win gold. Part of a haul that put Spain third in the medal table behind the US and Britain, which is like that's incredible, you know, for a country with. You know, less funding for Olympic athletes and sports in general, as Spain is. Um, you know, you what look at the bigger countries as well. It's a lower population, too. So you see to look at ratio of available players. Exactly. Yep. And, uh, you know, in terms of certain, that you, know, you can only really train for certain events unless you've got specialist equipment. Whereas, like, one of the reasons Britain does well is because we can train for pretty much any event in this country. You know, there there is snow in parts of this country and there are a lot of lakes and, and shit like that. And it that's far harder to come by in, in parts of Spain. And, you oh, know, yeah. it's such a spread out country as well. You know, you've got decentralized issues and training anyway, it's a whole thing about the way athletes are funded, but yeah, basically Spain overperformed in the Paralympics. Um, a photographer, a, p- a photo appeared on the front page of the popular Madrid sport, uh, sports daily, Marker, I think it's Marker or Marcer. I don't know. Rumors began to circulate almost immediately that some players, including the coach of an amateur team, have been recognized as people without learning difficulties. Because when you win a gold medal, people like to take your picture. And when those pictures make their way home and they're splashed over every magazine, newspaper, and website in Spain, people tend to notice this shit. Apparently, yeah. one comment section of a very early message board in spain was like i know that guy he's not disabled and like just thousands of comments yeah. like that well i'm see I'm, I'm looking forward to where we get to what okay. classifies the disabled thing uh, oh it's the testing is hilarious okay um they were advised by <laughs> officials to, they were advised by spanish olympic officials to wear dark masks and hats and grow beards in order to pass a notice that the team's triumphal return, I mean, they're still getting off the fucking plane. Who's not going to spot them? Like, hang on, there's a group of 12 or 13 people over there that we should really be paying more attention to. They yeah. To quite tall. Um, <laughs> and wearing dark masks. Yeah. And they don't appear to have any disabilities, but, you know, invisible disability <laughs> as a side, that's, you know, the, the news was out at this point. Really? Um, then Ribagorda blew the whistle. Like They thought they'd gotten away with it. They're like, look, just lie low. Nothing's going to happen. But unfortunately, one of their team was an undercover journalist. So you're ah! fucked, basically. <laughs> uh, he blew the whistle. The halo of saintliness that accompanies the Paralympics, which started out at Stoke Mandeville Hospital as the International Wheelchair Games in 1948 lost its shine. Stoke Mandeville Hospital is uh, one of the foremost treatment centers for people with kind of various uh, physical disabilities in in the UK and one of the best in Europe it's also got okay. specialist treatment centers um where people get flown to like if they got bad burns or bad breaks and stuff like that so it's a very important hospital unfortunately it was recently it's only been tied with Jimmy Savile and his antics there I, I shouldn't say antics that that diminishes that. But anyway, yeah, we won't talk about that. That's a story for another time. Okay. Uh, So it it was startle... It was a startling reversal for a 29 million pound event that Australians had supported with heartwarming enthusiasm by 1.2 million tickets. The Paralympics is big business, folks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's That's, that's crazy. That's a lot of people.
0: That's (laughs) a lot of people. That's like... I mean, Australia is quite a populous country on the coast anyway, but to get to these parts of the country, you have to take long flights. So for 1.2 million people to be in in the vicinity of these games is really, really special. Um, Fingers soon began to point at one of the most powerful men worldwide in the field of disabled sport, Fernando Martín Vicente, Vicente, a former Madrid city councillor who was a member of the International Paralympic Committee's uh, ruling executive, and vice president of Spain's Paralympic Committee. He was also head of one of the six international federations of disabled athletes that make up the Paralympic family INAS-FID, that's I-N-A-S-F-I-D, the International Sports Organization for Persons with Intellectual Disability. Goodness. Yeah, that's a lot of shit going on with this guy, but let's give you a little bit of background into Mr. Vicente. In 1975, Vicente, the father of a disabled child, Founded the National Association of Sport, uh, Special Sports, AND. I don't know how that acronym works, but it's Spanish, uh, dedicated to disabled sports. Every year, it reportedly received huge sums of state cash. While ANDE grew, Vincente's personal wealth also suspiciously increased el mundo newspaper tried but failed to prove that there was a connection claiming his wealth had reached five million pounds about i guess back into when did it say it was in 2000 that would have been about nine million dollars um this is just a a normal guy whose son happened to be disabled he starts a a federation and all of a sudden he's a multi-millionaire overnight Hmm. Uh, martin it said owned a yacht eight cars including a porsche five houses and half a dozen large pieces of land. Maybe he's just really good with money. Maybe he's suspicious there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, what does he do for a living? Oh, that's the thing. Yeah. I couldn't find any information on that. Uh huh. It's it's the it's yeah. It's like the whole. Uh-huh. So it's just Trump the foundation. Thing. Yeah, it's just the foundation. <laughs> Give us you money. I swear, all of it goes to charity. Only thirty percent of it goes to charity. Uh, <laughs> Vicente protested. Is in a in a oh, wait. Hold on, sorry. Uh, yeah, Vincente protested his innocence and then immediately resigned. When contacted by The Guardian, he angrily denied making money from disabled sports. It is very sad. There's n- There was no bad intent. Um, there was no intent. Hmm. Hmm. You yeah. recruited people who weren't disabled, so that's not an intent. I should point out that um, the reason people cheat in the Olympics, and you think, why the fuck are you doing this? You don't get money. You're an amateur athlete. Um, first of all, for the athletes, there's endorsement money. Almost okay. invariably in the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, you know, even Kurt Angle basically essentially retired from life after his nineteen ninety-six gold medal in in wrestling. And then only by nineteen ninety-nine was he like, Oh shit, I might have run out of money. Maybe I should come <laughs> back and do this actual pro wrestling shit and became the greatest rookie of all time, learning the trade in about three months, which is amazing. Wow. Um yeah, I know he he's Kurt Angle is a once in a lifetime, uh, in terms of learning, he is a genius. He picks things up like that, which I can do. That. Yeah, uh, physically, I, mean, I do, some I just put him back like down that. right away. Yeah, just give up, but no, it's <laughs> just not that guy. Uh, but yeah, so obviously, to cheat, you know, you get endorsements, you get money for appearances, all of that, you can get paid to open a supermarket, all of that shit. But yeah. for the organizations behind the individual sports so big one in the the uk is rowing rowing for us net dozens of gold medals over the years every gold medal is like an extra i don't know 250 000 pounds from the uk government every year oh, wow. so you get you get a gold medal you get like another quarter of a million another quarter of a million like oh you're doing well we want this to continue here's wow. more money so if you are head of a federation that produces a lot of winners, you get a lot of money. And that money can do things like buy you a yacht and five houses and eight cars and shitloads of land and stuff. Gotcha. So that's that's the... Uh, it, f- for the non-athletes, that's the incentive to cheat or to help cover up the cheating. Um, so he uh, insisted before adding that he, as head of Innes Fid. That had uh, been too important to get involved in checking the credentials of individual players. Washing his hands immediately. So, <laughs> I think there that that proves intent right there if you can't yeah, be bothered exactly. to check and make sure. Yeah, like we were talking about with your guy. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Tenet, like, oh, I just, you know, I, I didn't check. It's like, that should be the basic part of your job. <laughs> <What> the fuck? <laughs> uh, the IP job. Yeah, you literally have one fucking job. The IPC eventually set up um, its own investigation committee. It was only only just this sport, exclaims the IPC media director, Miriam Wilkins. It was just the Spanish team. No, it wasn't. We've just proven the Russians were in on it as well. What the (laughs) fuck is wrong with you? What kind of investigation were you running? It definitely wasn't just that team. We know that there were swimmers and other people, a track and field athletes. They're just like oh no no honestly we're all clean oh isn't it an amazing inspiration <laughs> look, look how inspiring everyone is um but all learning disabled athletes were banned um until inasfid could come up with a way of making sure that there was no further cheating its proposals have um at the time had at the time so far fallen short of what the ipc wanted they couldn't find a way um, they did eventually reinstate learning disabled athlete sports, but with far stringent, far more stringent testing. Athletes have to take tests designed to be impossible to cheat. Okay. If your IQ and they are like, I've tried a few of these IQ tests because you can do them online. You cannot game them. You cannot like, oh, I'll just get the wrong answer. You, It, it, tell, it can tell when you're deliberately fucking the, the score up. right Right. So the majority like intelligence is such a weird thing first of all iq let's talk about iq because that's how this is tested iq is completely fluid people will say oh i've got an oh i know this person who's got an iq of 130 they're a genius sure you know that's very only like 2% of people have an iq over 110 in the world and iq is fluid it changes with age so when you're a kid you have a low iq when you are a certain age you know you've learned stuff iq is higher as you get older your iq drops because, you know, your brain is going a little bit yeah. dribbling out your ears. It's just the way I'm, things work. I'm essentially might... a 16-year-old again. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so you, uh, the, apparently the biggest... It's interesting you say that. The biggest jump is from the age of 16 to 21. Like, IQ points can go up by as much as 10 to 15 points in that okay. window alone, which is kind of amazing. But that's because that's the formulative, like, higher learning levels that you go through. Um so the test, uh, these IQ tests that you can take now, if your IQ is above 75, you can't compete in learning disabled um, athletic competitions. And it is very difficult to cheat. One guy tried it, tried to mm-hmm. cheat it multiple times. He ended up with a score of 25. And they were like, wow, it's not even close. Like, you can't game it. That They are almost uh, I see how that works then. Yes, exactly. Okay. So these have been designed by very high-level cognitive scientists and stuff to make sure that, you know, you can't just, like, oh, I'll just lie. But back to how this happened. Um, The athletes for Spain's basketball team's tests um, in 2000 gave conflicting reports on how they cheated their tests. Um, Some said they were never tested. They were just like, oh, no, nothing ever happened. Okay. Some said that they had deliberately tested low on their tests and others said that Spanish doctors forged their paperwork. I totally believe all of those. But it's amazing that there's like three different stories. But as usual, Carlos Ribogorda, the man who blew the whistle, had the inside line. He said that in the five months of training he had before the in, uh, bef- uh, with the entirely fake team, the only test he was subjected to, what do you think it was? this test Uh, to make sure he was uh, learning disabled
1: um, gosh I don't even know was it one of those like uh, SATs tests? (laughs) I don't know you you would think
0: so you would think it would be a straightforward learning cognition test something like that Um, the only test he had in five months of training with the entirely fake team was six push-ups and a blood pressure check
1: oh I was gonna say blood pressure I don't even know why Okay, I should have said you were right.
0: <laughs> See, I know <laughs> how to it. do this. <laughs> that's it, six push ups and a blood pressure check. Just two things. My 91 year old grandmother could do both of those things. How does that prove a learning disability? I don't know. I have, hmm. I, that's a complete joke. And when I heard that, I was like. That is incredible. How did the International Olympic Committee not know that something fishy was going on when you've got stuff like that happening? Yeah. Like Spain or like it's probably happening in multiple countries, but we know for certain because this journalist is now blowing the whistle. Shocking. Um, A lot of athletes around the world are devastated by that, says Nick Parr, chief executive of the English Sports Association for People with Learning Difficulties. This goes beyond disappointment. They have uh, trouble understanding. There are English athletes who think that as they are being punished, they must have done something wrong. How heartbreaking is that? Fuck. Wait. So all learning disabled athletes were banned from competing because of the actions of these Spanish people. Because they couldn't test for it properly. It took years to come up with this test
1: assholes got to ruin everything for everybody i hate I that. i hate when that Thousands happens of
0: the, yeah and, <laughs> and some of these people like there are people out there and i've never met anyone but people who genuinely dream of going to the olympics that is the height of their life and it's not like a dream that maybe evolves over time like oh you know i, I when you're young you're like oh i just want to be a stuntman or like right. i want to be a youtuber <laughs> or whatever or a, a, i want to be a famous tiktoker but then like <laughs> yeah. you're in your late teens early 20s and you're like you know i just want a good career in this field and then you get to a certain age you're like oh, I'd really like to settle down now you know your dreams change right but if you're right. an Olympian your dream is to go to the Olympics and win a gold medal and after that life is somewhat meaningless
1: and and it's a short window too yeah so you have when,
0: 10 years really yeah,
1: when that when they shut it down to your entire group of people
0: competing yep. ooh,
1: that would suck
0: exactly and that's that's shocking because you know you can say well you know it's it's not like the olympic games you know people compete in different categories for different ages and that to a certain extent is true i know some events like equestrian like i think it was a six-year-old won a gold medal um it's just it's not the same you know there's less funding available if these people aren't competing so they're just not going to have the opportunity to go it's shocking um, so the Paralympics, however, is the is not the only international sports organization for learning disabled people. The International Olympic Committee has also given its backing to a separate games, the Special Olympics. So this this article was written before that became a thing. Uh, the Special Olympics is not an elitist sports organization. People of all levels and abilities can compete, says okay. Kirsten Suto, its spokeswoman in Washington. The philosophy is all about doing one doing one's own personal best. Um, In practical terms, that means uh, dividing athletes into divisions so they compete against those of similar ability. If they improve, they can move up a division to compete against more capable athletes. Uh, We like the spirit of competition, but we don't focus on medal counts. Our uh, Our country's doing best. We focus on individuals and their accomplishments, which I like. That should really be the heart of most competition I think just yeah. personal best, really. Um, otherwise, you know, it can be quite ruinous when you come up against someone who is a once in a generation athlete. And you're like, I'm never going to beat this person. Right. No matter how hard yeah. I try. That can be yeah. soul-crushing. so more crushing. Just
1: the dude that is running against the one setting the world
0: record. Yeah. It's like, like just, shit. I'm just going to be in the background Holt? while this guy's hands are raised. You know, yeah. best I can ever hope for is silver. That must be soul crushing. Anyway, the Sydney scandal provokes sadness, says Suto. We um, are always sad when people aren't true sportsmen and don't take sports seriously by faking and ridiculing it. And that's an interesting point. There is an element of ridicule here. You know, um, they thought it was easy to just get just get an all just get a bunch of people who who normally compete in basketball games on the street and just get into compete in these games and we'll fake everything. It's fine. It's like th- right. that's that's really horrible. Um the Sydney games also turned up 11 doping cases. That's really weird. Medals were taken away from among others the American runner Brian Frazier and the Azerbaijani powerlifter. Oh I'm gonna struggle here. Gundas ismailov oh that's not too bad. Uh ismailov eh. had been taking both Nandrolone and anabolic steroids and a Nandrolone I know. Um and <laughs> methandienone, yeah, I, 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 that's one. Just uh, steroids. Let's go with steroids. That's the battle. Okay. One. Um Fraser <laughs> build as the fastest the world's fastest amputee. It's kind of that doesn't hmm, that doesn't hit the ear quite right that one. Um had been had also been taking nandrolone. Jesus. Um at the Winter Olympics 2 years later in Salt Lake City, German skier Thomas Oelsner had to return two gold medals after a doping scandal. After the game, back to the Spanish team. Now the team were disqualified and ordered to return the medals in 2013. After over a decade of investigation and court battles, Fernando Martín Vincente was found guilty of fraud and forgery. He was fined five thousand four hundred euros, and that's it.
1: Well, it's more than one hundred and fifty.
0: That's true. So he had to give than that back. Dollars got to give that money back no no didgeridoo money for you and uh the wow. and also he was ordered to return the one hundred and fifty thousand euros he'd received from sports uh, sponsorships due to the team's victory uh, that's the money one hundred and fifty thousand euros and this is the, the scandal unfolded really quickly they already got that money like within a few days of winning their gold medals can you imagine what a following year of fame oh. and fortune could have led to. You're talking big money for these people. Yeah. Shit. Well, More yachts and yeah, no sixth house for this arsehole. <laughs> um, as for the ten fake athletes, nothing. No charges or fines. They were just ordered to return their medals during the medal ceremony. The athletes looked dour and muted. None of them wanted to take uh wanted to talk about it with each other afterwards. They finally realized that they robbed real Paralympians of their chance to achieve their dreams.
1: So Yikes. after
0: they won their medal, they were like, oh, oh, God, what have we done? How did they not think of that beforehand? I know. I know. The, the, <laughs> the, the lack of insight here is staggering. These people didn't seem to care. They were like, oh, we're going to Australia. No, you are robbing people have rightly earned gold medals and actually it doesn't sound like the Russians deserved it either the people they competed against in the finals because they had three non-disabled athletes as well but at least they had like seven others who did have learning disabilities there were only two people in yeah. the Spanish team that had learning disabilities and they, and weren't they allowed had to... no idea what was going on because they weren't allowed to train with their teammates
1: right? Yeah Jeez. it's it's messed up
0: yeah and that's, <laughs> that's all I got for you this week, I mean it's a short one but The thing that hit me about this was, I mean, the year 2000 is an interesting one because we're still at the kind of the boundary between analog and digital to a certain extent. You know, the internet is not widely available. It's certainly not widely used. Nobody's got it on their phone. You know, if you want to use the internet, you have to sit down on a big ass computer. If you're lucky, your, your laptop might have some sort of thing that you can hook up to because wireless sure as shit isn't a thing. Um, you essentially have to sit down at a big um, computer and read up about this. Um, newspapers, you know, celebration of a, a medal thing. That's going to be a day, maybe, and no one's going to really check up on that after that. You might get news headlines for the day, and that that's right. it. So really, they were hoping that they could fly under the radar with this shit, because they knew that once they won the gold medal and all those pictures were out, just takes one person to be like, "Mm, I know that guy. That's my mechanic. He is not disabled. Right. Uh, Well, see, and
1: that's, that's where I guess I was, I'm still kind of left wondering. It's not necessarily learning disabled as in
0: neurodivergent.
1: Like you can't have dyslexia or ADHD and go qualify. Right.
0: Yeah. I, sorry. I just also wanted to point out, um, this article from 2004 I do apologize if some of the language in this is outdated I couldn't find anything more current um, the words like neuro, neuro I can't even say it neuron neuro, <laughs> oh neurodivergent um, weren't used at this yeah. point in time and I just want to apologize if anyone was offended by the language I used in this because it was taken from an article written in 2004 um, so yeah it, it, there are now very stringent qualifications to get into the 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 various olympic bodies but man how did they think they could get away with this yeah
1: who who is none of them got busted for doping
0: too right it wasn't like they they didn't need to
1: and they doped because that's just mean
0: that would have been overkill yeah you you suddenly got like these huge guys ripped to shreds showing up to apparently i think that would have set Mm -hmm. up a few alarm bells but like I guess it's a part of me. So, and a lot of this is because, and there is an a, an epidemic of this in society. It's something that isn't talked about too much. There's a, a term called inspiration porn. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. I have not. So, okay, Insp- <laughs> it, it don't it, it, like if it turns up actual porn. Don't look at that. But the <laughs> phrase inspiration porn <laughs> is essentially where people celebrate the most minor achievements of people who are otherwise abled or disabled or neurodivergent or have disabilities whatever it might be in such a way that it's like it's kind of patronizing and they're only doing that to make themselves feel better okay you know like like and you can you can argue over what classifies as um inspirational porn like oh wow i you know this person put a thing up of them going to the park today and they're it wasn't that amazing it's like no it's them going to the park and like (laughs) i've had this before like with the whole crones thing like oh my god like oh that must be so terrible You you do occasionally get that i just have to say like you adapt humans adapt right that's what we do that's how we've evolved to become the dominant right. species on the planet we adapt it's it's our thing so some um, us. yeah some. <laughs> uh, but i think a lot of this will have been like people will have been unwilling to question it at the time because they're like they're worried about maybe getting fingers pointed they're like how dare you question right the, i can the, see this that. athlete you know right um but yeah
1: <laughs> well because they if, when they questioned it back then they wouldn't have been
0: they wouldn't have said it nice no it wouldn't have been well worded let's yeah. just put it that way you know the, the respect and um, standing of Paralympic athletes at the time it was it was just it wasn't really a thing it didn't really get a huge amount of coverage and certainly like um, there was a lot of really quite crass humor still existing around 2000s, around people with disabilities. I mean, I still make crass jokes about my own disability, but I'm fucking allowed to. So, yeah. Um, What's your score for the 2000 Sydney uh, Spanish Paralympic basketball team?
1: How long did they get uh, learning disabled people banned from competing?
0: Uh, It was two Olympics after that. So
1: eight years. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, that raises it up a little bit. I think because I hate when people get shit taken away from everybody else by being assholes. So that raises that up too. And I think that it was it was a collective idea to.
0: Uh, Well, it was it was the brainchild of Vincente. Okay. They recruited people who knew full well what was going on and did nothing except just one journalist. Yeah, they were they were complicit. Okay. But they weren't masterminds, as it were. But any one of them could have just gone up to someone in the Olympics gone, Hey, look, they pulled me off the street in Madrid. There is nothing wrong with me. Right. You know, and nobody did that. They didn't want they were complicit and they were probably terrified of upsetting this quite powerful person. So yeah. Vicente is the main architect of all this.
1: And he did that because his son was disabled. Well that's okay. where it started
0: All but right. also it sounds like he's got quite the estate to keep up now so so we got an
1: idea from a bad situation and then yeah. ran with it and was an asshole and ruined Basically, a bunch of yeah. people's lives so I'm a, yeah nobody really died and no. uh, I got it sucks though when you have it something does. that you want really really bad and then yeah. you lose opportunities to get it when there's already limited opportunities to get
0: it exactly that's, that's the big thing. This is one of the key pillars in, like, kind of um, the world of competition for any athlete. So And, like, um, disabil- disability athletics, as it is, I, I, it doesn't get anywhere near the recognition and coverage that, like, what is considered mainstream athletic right. competitions do. So, like you say, this is kind of the opportunity – and it was taken away from thousands of people for eight years and also the people at the games at the time who should have right. won and didn't because of these assholes. So,
1: yeah, I think for all of that,
0: I think an 88 is fair. Thank you. I email. think that's, yeah, I, I completely agree. Again, like you said, nobody died. Um, but I think there is something about <laughs> we talk about the Olympic spirit, um, because I, I, I got to tell you, there is evidence that ancient Greeks were doping. They were eating goat testicles to give themselves a performance boost. Yeah, I know, it's a shit, hey. it's a thing. Hey, whatever <laughs> floats your boat, man. But, you know, uh, it's it was, um, I heard about it at the time, I think, and then it kind of left my consciousness and came up again recently. But two, I just don't understand what the end, uh, we, we talk about the end game, the end game was funding. I don't understand how you thought you could get away with this, the arrogance to think that you could just fake this shit. Right, Nobody would notice. I mean, if it was one athlete, right, but um, well, 10 yeah. out of 12, no way, you know? No. And also then, like, even actually, you know what, even one athlete, then people would have been like, hold on, that's a ringer. There's there's definitely someone in there who's, you know, right, a professional or, or, or under the radar or whatever it is. But, yeah, I, I wow. felt really gross about this. Um, and also, the, I said it was comical – it's so comical in that. How the hell did you think this was going to work? Right. Well, dude, I,
1: yeah.
0: I don't know. I guess
1: maybe it's a crude tasteless humor thing on my part too, but that reminds me of the, that
0: Johnny Knoxville movie, the ringer. Now I was that you said bring that, that up, That's, <laughs> that was, I'm pretty certain that was entirely based off this, this event. Okay. It feels like it because this, yeah. this predates the ringer by a few years. Um, and that is a horrible film. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. Um, it's like, oh, well, Johnny Knoxville stuff what? is pretty horrible. Anyway. I, yeah, <laughs> it was of all the things Johnny Knoxville has done in his career, that's the one that I was like, oh, I don't really, not really interested in even watching that. But like, it the idea that <laughs> it's a comedy where Johnny Knoxville pretends to have disabilities, like really quite serious. Uh, learning dis- disabilities because he thinks, oh, I can easily win a gold medal against these Paralympic athletes. They're, 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 you know, they're disabled and I'm not, blah, blah, blah. And then he tries and actually loses um, yeah. and then has to come out. And, oh, he learns a lesson along the way that you shouldn't try and con people out of really important opportunities. for them. It's like, this is not a funny film. This is kind of like, oh, this is really uncomfortable watching.
1: Yeah, it could. It's kind of could have been like this is what the best outcome that could have happened from this real life situation, but it didn't because it didn't.
0: Yeah, and like the first game, they're thirty points up by halftime, and the coach is like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" So you know, um, that sucks. I know it's (laughs) it's kind of crazy to stack the deck so heavily in your favor. There was always going to be someone that knew, and for it to break like this, it basically ended careers. So, yeah, I do feel extremely sorry for the athletes that missed out on genuine abil- uh, competition as a result right. of the action of these 12 to 13 slash potentially more, because who knows who is complicit on the organizational side. I mean, apparently doctors were and apparently six mm-hmm. six push-ups and a, a fucking blood test is enough to get you on the team. But yeah, yeah, because <laughs> um, you so- can tell
1: that your blood pressure is different if you're learning. disabled. Oh, yeah. You know yeah,
0: I mean? you, you, you must have <laughs> learning difficulties. Your blood pressure is off by three points. What the fuck? That doesn't make <laughs> any sense. Um, so, that was the Spanish men's Paralympic basketball team from the 2000 Sydney Olympic Games who faked disabilities in a horrific and disgusting manner. And I also just, I, I, I haven't, I don't really know how to phrase conversations like this because I am kind of ignorant of, of this world. So, I apologize to anyone if I've offended anyone by saying, like, not using the correct term. Or, or correct phrases or anything like that i do apologize but i felt like this is an important thing to cover because um it, it, it's again it's one of those situations in the world where someone thinks they're trying something that's foolproof but if you take even a second to analyze it you know it's not going to work right so that's kind of the true benchmark of idiocy that you can't see the fault in your own plan yeah and I mean, I guess this guy who owns a yacht and a bunch of houses—he's probably been getting away with schemes of some nature for a while now. So he's like, "Ah, oh, well, fuck it. Why can't I?" You know, right? Yeah, he's just—I I got away with it already. Why wouldn't I just keep yeah. getting away with it? It's—it's it's like Bill Burr says, like the Arnold Schwarzenegger thing. It's like this guy who couldn't speak any English and said, uh, "I'm going to be the biggest bodybuilder in the world," comes over to America. Like, you've got to be out of your fucking mind. He does it. And then like, oh, what next, Arnold? Oh, I'm going to be the biggest action star of all time. There's no fucking way that's happening. You sound like an idiot. And then boom, he does it. He's the biggest action star of all time. Then what's next? I'm going to be the governor of California. No, you're fucking not. You have no political background whatsoever. <laughs> boom, he does it. It's like, and then Bill Burr jokes. Why wouldn't he think that he could fuck his his maid and get away with it? You know, right? Because he he'd gotten to that stage already where he's like, I am untouchable. So. He- he bought into that. If you visualize it, you... yeah. If you visualize it, it happens. Sometimes, if you visualize it, you 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 might need to get glasses. To be honest, <laughs> because you might be well off. Um, so that's that's our episode for this week. Slightly slightly short. We managed to make it over an hour and twenty. There's me joking. Look at how much we talk. We like the talk. Um, yep. So we've got um, tenant. Second worst thing with the name Tenant in it, behind that terrible film that came out a few years ago, um, you know, you not oh, this is a oh, you don't remember this? This no. was a um, a release during lockdown. This is a Christopher Nolan film that sucks. Do you know how rare that is? Okay, it's I... called Tenant. It's got oh Christ, Robert Pattinson in it, and it's like a story of a spa. It's like a James Bond thing, but time is going backwards and forwards at the same time, and there's like we weird effects going on and cars are <laughs> rolling and it's terrible. It's okay. like imagine if you took all the more the most confusing parts of um oh what's that dream one that he did? The crazy Matrix? Inception. Oh, okay. They take all the confusing parts of Inception and take out all the charisma of the actors and the interesting action scenes. That that's tenet, basically. It's just like what the fuck is this? I guess um, I'm glad I missed it. Yeah, it's, it's do not watch that film. It is bad. Uh, so George Tenet, the architect of really quite significant deaths in the world following and before the September of the 11th attacks, and the Spanish. I have to read this every time. The Spanish men's Paralympic basketball team for the 2000 Sydney, Olymp- Sydney Paralympic Games, who ten out of twelve of them did not have any disabilities whatsoever, and the coach knew it. And the person who put the team together knew it, so we have a 93 and an 88, another high scoring episode. Um, Derek, how did you find researching George Tenet for this one?
1: Um, it was god, there's so much on the guy. Uh, yeah, I, I skipped over part of what I was gonna put in out there anyway because there's right. so much. He was, I'm sure,
0: he was so incompetent, so incompetent. exactly. <laughs> Thank you He's so bad. There are pages like Wikipedia has to be expanded because of this one man's lunacy.
1: And I think that, uh, who, God, who played him in the looming tower?
0: A Baldwin, yeah. Oh, one of the Baldwins. Yeah. Okay. Is it the one that accidentally shoots people or is it the one that nobody yeah. remembers? I, th- I think it was the one, that, I think it was Alec, yeah. Oh, poor Alec. Right. Yeah. He's not looking so good at the moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <that> <laughs> Uh, I do have to watch that, The Looming Tower. I have heard of that. Um, And yeah, and then you got this. I I watched a video on it on YouTube. A lot of my inspiration comes from like kind of random interactions with online media. And um, yeah, I was just like, I, I kind of can't not cover this because I have to cover it. Because this is so stupid. This is one of the stupidest plans I've ever heard. It's such a high-profile event. You think you're going to game the system because you've been getting away with it in your own country for so long? Like That doesn't make any sense. Take it international. Yeah, it's going global. (laughs) Um, So that's our our episode for this week. I I really enjoyed it. Um, Thank you guys so much for supporting us. Uh, We've had a couple of people in the chat. Thank you so much for dropping by. And um, Derek, would you like to say goodbye, please? Thanks everybody. Bye Thanks so much. Oh, I should do my, the call to action. I always forget oh. the call to action. What's the matter with me? Uh, <laughs> if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, go to at Greatest Idiots on Twitter and Instagram. is at History's Greatest Idiots. And if you go to Patreon.com slash History's Greatest Idiots, you can throw us some cash and help us um, support this wonderful podcast that's now yeah. well into 40 episodes deep. We're doing, we're doing really good and we're getting lots of plays and We're hoping to make some moves that will possibly make it easier for us to, to kind of keep an eye on what's going on with our podcast, but we can't talk about that just yet. But I promise as soon as we've made the move, uh, we will dish the dirt on some of the, the interesting things we've had to deal with from this podcast that has nothing to do with us and everything to do with the people that are supposed to be helping us anyway. Thank you guys so much And we will see you again in a couple of weeks. Goodbye.